We all owe them, but very few of us know them. They are the men and women of our military and first responder communities. And these are their stories. American Warrior Radio is on the air. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to American Warrior Radio. This is your host, Ben Bueller Garcia. We're coming to you from the Four Patriots studio at Four Patriots. They champion freedom and self-reliance and give your families the tool to do so. Visit 4patriots.com. That's the number, 4patriots.com. And use the code WARRIOR for a 10% discount on your first order. If you're a regular listener of American Warrior Radio, you know we like to feature veteran entrepreneurs and, and veterans who are having great success in the commercial battle space. Our guest today certainly fits that profile. He's twice been featured on Inc. Magazine's Top 500 CEOs list. But he's also somewhat of a ghost, which I suppose is natural given that he's a former Navy SEAL. I had to do a deep dive on my show prep for this guy, and what I found leads me to believe he is either A, a serial entrepreneur, or the guy just can't keep a job. We're about to find out. However, I knew you were going to like him when I asked him to send over some photos for a social media promotion, and what I got were three pictures of Chuck Norris, who can I only assume is his body double. He's the founder and current executive chairman of Kill Cliff. Welcome to American Warrior Radio, Todd Ehrlich. Thanks for having me, Dad. It's a real pleasure. You came uh, highly recommended by the folks over at Black Rifle Coffee Company. Uh, you know, somewhat of a successful veteran entrepreneur story in its own right. Yeah, they're the best. I'm a big fan of Black Rifle, and I love those guys. Uh, Todd, just real quick about your your military career. You, as I understand, you dropped out of of the university to join the SEALs. Was that post 9/11 then, or no, pre 9/11? Okay. Um, it was early 90s. You know, I just had a calling to serve my country in a in what I would call a special way, and um, I dropped out. Once I determined the the fastest way to the seals was just enlisting, uh, I enlisted, and um, lo and behold, made it. I kind of beat the odds there. Then I ended up getting out of the navy and actually dropped out of college a second time. But uh, that's that's probably a different story. <laughs> <laughs> now you, it was Bud Class One Nine Eight. Uh, you made it through first time. No, no, I started with class 195, and I got I got pretty badly hurt after Hell Week. Uh, so I got hurt probably during Hell Week, and then it like it got exacerbated after Hell Week. So they had to roll me a few classes, and then I finished with class 198. Uh, Todd, you only served, I should say only, I mean, four years, two months is a long time, especially in the SEALs. But what, uh, what was involved in your decision to go ahead and leave the Navy? Yeah, good question. You know, people always ask me that, and I grew up in a military family. My dad was an armor colonel, like a Vietnam vet. I think I had a different picture of what my military career was going to be like, but I was always kind of pretty independent person. And when I got in the military, it was kind of tough for me to kind of express myself, you might say, you can imagine. Mm. Um, so that was part of it. Um, so I was like, I felt like I needed to go back and get finish my education pretty strongly. Also, at the time, so kind of mid-90s when I was in, there wasn't a lot going on. In fact, it was like less than zero at that time. And so it became a, a tough environment just to kind of hang tight. Like the chances of seeing any kind of real-world action, you might say, were very realistic at that point in time. With that being said, I mean, I regret it. You know, like people were like, oh, I don't have any regrets. Like, oh, I completely regret getting out. I wish I would have stayed in longer. I love 
the Navy, the SEAL teams, and I, I, I wish I would have stayed in much longer. But it gives me a very interesting perspective on life today and, and what those guys go through. So I can't hold a candle to those guys um, that, you know, kind of stayed in for a long time. But um, but I, I definitely – I have to walk a mile of their teams. Yeah, now you were you were East Coast teams? Yes. Okay, well, it's a nice shout-out to our affiliates in Norfolk. They probably uh, – I think there's one or two Navy SEALs running around. Norfolk, Virginia Beach. So I'm not, I, I did, like I said, I did my research, and I, I don't know, everything I found about you, Todd, you, I don't know if you're just shy, or, or I mean, you admit that you're just not very big on, on promoting yourself, but I only, we only have an hour here, so I'm not going to waste any time to try and pull the origin story of the name Killcliffe, just to, you know, keep that mystery about it, Todd. But other than, I just want to declare that clearly this was not intended to be a threat to the Cliff Bars, right? Definitely not. Although they did sue us <laughs> at one point when we came out with a little protein bar line for a little while, and yeah, they sued us, and they took us to the mat uh, until we convinced them that we really didn't intend to. There was no intention to mess with those guys at all, and they they were very gentle at the end of the day. But we did get sued by the bar. Yeah, I tell you one uh, one thing I love about your story, Todd, is in going through your history and your your resume and and your LinkedIn page and, and what I could find, you have a, what I would call a, a superb instinct for identifying a gap in the market and exploiting it. And I don't, who knows, maybe that's that's a little bit of the, the Navy SEAL and you're doing that. But, I mean, you're on to gluten-free beer that actually tastes good, by the way. Uh, Chilean wine, you had a really interesting business you started and grew successfully about uh, that had to do with home appraisals making sure truckers get paid early. I mean, you're just all over the board, and it seems like, well, let me ask you this question. In my day job, I work with a lot of nonprofits consulting, and for me, Todd, the joy is in the creation, not the maintenance. Is that something you feel similar about? Yeah, I mean, I think once you kind of set down all the, like, what is this going to be, and you set out the plan, you start executing, you start getting, you create value, then the value, like if you think about value as like a curve, uh, like a, like it goes off and then it starts to plateau and value grows slower later. So there's a tremendous amount of value in the early stage creation of a business. And you might say most of the value is there in the first thousand days of business creation. So my goal has been, in, in my head, has been being early stage in businesses. Now, with that being said, I mean, there's like thousands of people who do it way better than I do. But like anything, once you determine what your edge is, you got to kind of keep honing that edge to get really good at it. And that's kind of what I've been trying to do over the last 20 or so years is just really hone my edge of being a good early stage entrepreneur and then trying to deliver really good results in the early stage and then hand it off to people that might be better managers over the long term or more comfortable managing than they are creating. I got it. Yeah, it takes a special mindset to be an entrepreneur. A successful one or, or one that fails, but it takes a definitely a, a certain mindset. Now, now, Killcliff, really, this was something that the idea was came out of the time in the teams, and I mean, you guys are getting beat up pretty bad. And Todd saying, "Look, I don't, I'm not an energy drink guy. I'm not a Gatorade guy. There's something different I need." So, is it accurate to describe Killcliff as a a recovery drink, not an energy drink, or is it both? It started out as a recovery drink. We have an energy drink line 
in a CBD line now, which could be considered recovery, a different form of recovery. But yeah, it started out, I needed like a liquid aspirin or Advil, you might say, that was kind of natural. And that was what I was going for without jittery caffeine. That was the original goal. I think 2011 is when you all first actually got this to market. What have your sales been, your gross sales over that period of time, Todd? In the early days, it was pretty small ball, right? We might have done two hundred thousand. I wanted the number that's coming to my mind is two hundred forty-four thousand dollars of revenue in year one. The first four or five months of that was like zero or very close to zero, like one, like fifty dollars at a time, or like case at a time kind of thing. And then we kind of broke into CrossFit, and that's how things started started working. Uh, and then we built that up. It went from like. 244,000 to, I think the next number was 808,000 to 3.3 million to 8 something million to 10 million. And so then the revenue started to porpoise and go up, it'll go down and go up, it'll go down. And now we're way, you know, we're above that, but it, it kind of is pretty rocky between, you know, year called year five and today. And I, I tell you, Todd, I, there's just, there's so many lessons that other, Aspiring entrepreneurs can learn from your story and, and your successes, but also your mistakes. I'd like to talk more about that when we come back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your host, Ben Bueller Garcia. We're talking with Todd Ehrlich. Todd is the founder of Kill Cliff. We'll be right back. Welcome back to American Warrior Radio, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host, Ben Bueller-Garcia. For our veteran entrepreneur feature, we're speaking with Todd Ehrlich. Todd is a former Navy SEAL and the founder of Killcliff. And Killcliff is, well, now you're in the pub. That was a huge part of your success story. Tell us that real quick. Yeah, people started mixing Killcliff with alcohol. That was really popular here in Georgia, uh, in, in Atlanta, and um, in Athens, Georgia. And it kind of took off. Something about the original Killcliff flavor just mixed really well with alcohol. And, and we were just, I mean, in the early days, just trying to sell whatever you can. So we'd like walk into every, I mean, I'd sell a dry cleaner at Killcliff if I could. <laughs> so we were, you know, we were trying everything we could and bars started mixing with alcohol and it worked. So we kind of made that a little part of our business. In fact, there's a, there's a, a bar right down the street here that uh, still sells like over a hundred cases a month. And what I get from following your story, it seems like a lot of let's just try this or let's let's try that. And when the bars, I guess the one to me, the other big part of it was and I, I call them the, the CrossFit calorie. When you all broke into that demographic, that was a real that was huge for you. That was a real spike. Right. Yeah. It allowed us to get enough traction that we could like start producing product and sell. You know, it was just like. It gave us enough, like, throughput from a revenue perspective, the thing started to work. And with that being said, it was incredibly competitive, and we had our work cut out for us, like, every day. From the day we got into it, there was, like, two or three other c competitors, um, and it got it was just really, really tough. But 
it, you know, people are ordering it. They love the brand and the, and the story. And so they worked. Um, it was, it was definitely, uh, the break we needed, uh, right when we needed it. And they've been very loyal. Yeah. I mean, I think we still sell to, you know, like a few thousand of those locations around the country. Um, today. And I tell you folks, visit uh, Kill Cliff's website and then check out their podcast. There's a, an interview that uh, Todd did with uh, another one of his uh, cohorts uh, talking about some of the interesting things they tried as they're marketing this. And uh, it's just, it's 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 great, very entertaining, but also, like I said, I'd, I'd much rather learn from someone else's mistakes, Todd, than, than mine own. So uh, very, very helpful. In fact, I don't know if you've ever... Um, Oh, the the founder of GORUCK and uh, Jason, and and he he wrote a book how not to start a backpack company um, to share some of those cautionary lessons with with other entrepreneurs there. So you, G W Garrison, you Todd seem to have a way of attracting people who are willing to work for free. Yeah, sure. Why special talents? Got some Jedi stuff going on there, Todd, or what, what's the story? No, I I mean I think you know. There's like he he was just down for the cause, right? And and in most of the businesses in the early days, when you don't have a lot of capital, you got you got sweat equity and, and um um you know GW team. He was the first guy I'll never forget. He said to me, I he's like, whatever happened to that Killcliff thing you were starting? This is like November December 2010. And I was like. I've got eight thousand cases sitting in a warehouse right now, and he was like, "It was like Christmas was coming." He's like, "After the holidays, let's get together and figure out how to sell some of it." So we did, and uh, it worked out, and um, he was great. And that that involved literally selling out of the trunk of your car. I mean, knock on every door yeah. you could think of. Yeah, I think we were both selling out of the trunk of our car. Um, he was doing. Um, a lot of work uh, up and down the street, um, you know, when it was, you know, trying to figure it out. I'll, I'll never forget, he came and he goes, we need marketing material. And I picked up the can, and I was like, this is our marketing material. It's this can. <laughs> and we would go back and forth because I, I refused to spend any money on marketing at the time. Um, but he was right, and I was wrong about that. But Well, the cans the cans do stand out, Let's let's be honest. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about capital because that is often one of the biggest challenges for for entrepreneurs. You kind of bootstrapped, or not kind of, you bootstrapped this with, I want to say, twenty five thousand of your own savings, and but then it, when it got to a point to ramp up, how did you generate some of that additional uh, venture capital? I, I thought I read an interview once where you basically just started asking everybody you ran across to give you one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and did that work? Yeah, yeah. So I probably put more than twenty five thousand. It's probably like a hundred thousand, to be fair. It was it was a lot because there was like a lot of testing that had to have a bunch of stuff because you made a product people they drink. So a lot went into that. And there's another business I started where I started with like twenty five thousand. You might be for it too, but but um, but then and then I thought I had like uh, it was back in two thousand eight. I thought I had three investors lined up. We're all going to invest like. A hundred thousand each, and now it's going to get Killcliff going. And then, uh, like Lehman Brothers, you know, failed, and um, and and like all those investors were like, "No thanks, you know, call me 
next month or whatever, and those those calls just went unanswered. So I I was like, okay, we're in a you know we're a this pit of despair here. I need to let some time go by. So about a year, year and a half went by, and I just got tired of waiting. And I was like, I'm just going to ask everybody for $150,000. I don't care who it is. Like the guy bagging my groceries in public, like <laughs> he's getting that. And so, um, so I was on a sales call for uh, a company that I, I ran, and I asked this, you know, CEO of this company. I was like, hey. Can I just throw something totally random at you? Um, and, and he was like, "Yeah, sure, look up." And I was like, "I've got these great company I've been trying to start, and I need one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to get it off the ground. Would you be interested in investing?" Now, this is the same pitch I had given like a hundred times and been, you know, laughed out of rooms with. And the guy was like, "Yeah, sure, no problem." And he, he said, "What was what's the pre money valuation?" And I, I was like. And I hadn't really thought it through, um, but I was tapping it in. I was like, a million? He's like, okay, that's fair. And he cut me a check for $150,000 and did the paperwork, and that's how it started. Well, and there's also a cautionary material on there. The um, the the CEO, the former Coca-Cola CEO, uh, you thought you had on a, you know, you caught a big, big bass there, but... Um, then when you saw the term sheet, I, and I, I, I get this sense from you because you started and, and, you know, made several companies successful, Todd, but there are some, I don't want to call them bad actors because, you know, business is a, is a full contact sport, but so often it appears that they come in, they recognize you got something good going on and they come in with some paperwork that's basically going to move you out of the company. Yeah. Yeah. So been in that position more times than I wished, uh, yeah, that one, so he was a big-time CEO, really, he seemed a really great guy for the day. It just wasn't a good fit because he refused to negotiate any point. And so I was like, okay, well, this isn't really even appropriate right here. And he's like, take it or leave it. And I was like, well, I guess I'm going to leave it then. Yeah. And so I was like, that's not, that's, that, that conversation is not going to go well. But over time, there are a lot of people that really, you know, wanted that brand to try to get it. Um, and I think part of it has to do with, like, Owning a piece of you know, kind of uh, Navy SEAL mm-hmm. brand, you know what I mean? You just, yeah. Maybe it's cool, or they think it's really valuable. But there was always a lot of that. Yeah, well, everybody wants to be part of a winning team too. So, uh, when we come back, uh, Todd, I want to talk about something that everybody who wants to be an entrepreneur needs to think about, and it's a word we don't hear very often in the modern lexicon, and that word is grit. Ladies and gentlemen, Ben Buehler-Garcia talking with Todd Ehrlich, the founder and the executive chairman of Kill Cliff. We'll be right back. Welcome back to American Warrior Radio, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host, Ben Buehler-Garcia. We're coming to you from the Four Patriots studio. At Four Patriots, they champion freedom and self-reliance and give your family the tools to do so. Visit fourpatriots.com. That's the number, fourpatriots.com. Don't forget to use the code WARRIOR for a 10% discount on your first order. We're talking with veteran entrepreneur Todd Ehrlich. Todd, in addition to Killcliff, how many companies have you now started? Um, That's a good question. I don't know off the top of my head, 
Probably Teddy. Wow. Okay. I don't know what you do. Do you have spare time, Todd? I don't run everything all the time, right? But I'm I'm usually involved in the formation stage of a lot of businesses. So yeah, I do have time. Along those lines, I probably like spending my time doing this stuff more than other people do. Like some people want to be a you know a little league baseball coach, uh, and you know win the little league world championship. Like I want to win it. Sorry, those incidents. So I I really enjoy it more than anything. Well, and that's key. I mean, you got to love what you do. So real quick, let me ask you about Rule One Ventures. The lumps you took trying to find venture capital for Killcliff was that an uh, something that influenced your decision to to start Rule One Ventures? Yeah, I mean, part of it, and part of it was like the journey that I was on, like in my in my entrepreneurial career, where I was always trying to find the right place to fit in as an entrepreneur. And there are certain entrepreneurs that are incredibly good at just completely operating on their own, and they find the right investor right out of the gate and all that stuff. And certainly, there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. I had to work really hard, always was struggling. I always, always laugh and tell my partner, I'm like, I'm going to drive the struggle bus. <laughs> and, and and so I, with the studio, the concept was, let's create an environment where you take someone like a young Todd who was doing his first startup, and give him the tools he needs to be successful um, or her successful, uh, you know, and, and speed that journey along faster. And so the concept was a trust time for an entrepreneur to uh, realize the green faster through a studio model. And so, like, it's exactly what I would have needed 18 years ago. Well, and that's, you know, that's that's the, the heart of service there, again, Todd, from my perspective. For sure. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I've never been accused of doing things the easy way. Um, at the same time, you know, there's when you look at competition out in the market, it gets really competitive where things are easy. Gets really competitive um, where things are where there's a lot of money at players. Um, where it's less competitive is where there's more risk and an incredible amount of work. So I'm like, okay, I'm pretty good at dealing with risk, and I'm willing to work really hard, and I'm surrounded by really hard workers. So let's go there where it's a little bit less competitive, um, and hopefully we can. Uh, you know, Get some better results. Todd, we get a lot of veterans that listen to this program on our affiliates across the country. If one of them has the next best, greatest idea, how, how do they contact you? I mean, what are the rules for getting in touch with Rural Run Ventures? Yeah, just email. Uh, I think if you email hello at r1vf.com, um, we'll, we'll take a pitch that way. So we'll look at it, and if it, if it meets the criteria we're looking for, then we'll We'll, we'll get in touch um, with the entrepreneur and uh, figure out if it's someone we want to invest in and help with. Outstanding. Hopefully we'll bring you some, some good ideas and your next greatest adventure, venture adventure. Uh, Todd, one thing that I find in all the entrepreneurs that have been successful, you were talking a little bit offline about Eli Crane and, and some of the other folks, the, the fellow that founded Right on Optics, was, and I love the word grit, and I wish we would hear it more often. And I'm not talking about the beach sand that gets in your shorts during during buds, but completing buds successfully, as I understand it, not only requires physical strength, but a good deal of mental discipline. It seems like a lot of the training is to weed out people who don't have the mental grit, if you will. How important is that in entrepreneurship? How important is that mindset 
in being a successful entrepreneur? The mindset's like a huge deal, of course, right? Like, first of all, you have to have uh, an optimistic view on life. Like, hey, there's even when it looks like there's no path forward, you've got to be able to find a path forward. I mean, I talk to my team about that all the time, right? There's got to be a path forward, right? There's always a path forward. And so you got to, like, at least be willing to tell yourself that. The second thing is you're going to have bad days. You know, everybody gets discouraged, right? And, you know, somebody that doesn't ever get discouraged probably has some other mental health issues that might not jive well with being a real entrepreneur. But it's kind of how you process the discouragement and then how you kind of make it to the next day, right? And, and I think that's part of it is the ability to process discouragement and keep an optimistic mindset um, in the face of, you know, adversity. And it's that, you know, it's almost like talking about it's like changing changing the the sandpaper on the, uh, you know, uh, on, the, on the sander. Um, you got to wake up the next day. And, and when that grip might have been worn down, you got to have a fresh sheet of uh, extra coarse sandpaper there to kind of get the job done. So it's kind of figuring out how to recharge without, you know, without falling backwards, if that makes sense. Like sure. you got to continuously move forward. Sure. Well, what I'm just kind of curious, because a lot of your stuff um, is really fun, and it appears that social media and, and content marketing – that's been a huge part of, of Killcliffe's success. And what, if I could just, I mean, who are the creative minds that, that are, are coming up with this stuff? Was that you initially, Todd, or was it GW, or was it some intern, you know, in Denmark? Yeah, great question. So it was a mixture, right? So it was kind of like um, there was a certain type of a voice that the brand had that we kind of all agreed, like, hey, that's, that's the, you know, the voice, it was kind of a three-sided voice. There was a solemn side, a a, um, a very serious, like solemn from a military perspective. Like the military is no joke to us, and we were very serious about it. At the same time, we had like a, a serious, like athletic side. And then we also had that kind of military gallows humor, you might say. And it's just kind of like, how do you get through a really stressful situation? He's kind of joking off, right? And so we always had that brand voice going. And then what the brand would say kind of came from a lot of different places. And, and one of the big risks that we took was, well, we let a lot of people have input and um, made it fun. And we came up with some really interesting creative things that way. So um, so I think that's kind of the lesson there is just like be willing to listen to you know, other people's ideas and, and what it should say. Because you, you might be surprised if it leads to a place you actually want to go. You just didn't know you wanted to go there. I read a quote of yours that you talked about how important it is to allow people to fail, um, you know, within your company or I guess even in relationships in life. And, and you said great leaders don't judge, they teach. Yeah, that's a quote of a quote. Um, a woman named Carol Dweck uh, wrote that in a book called Mindset. And so, which is, you know, I strongly recommend people read it. Um, but it's basically... When I learned that, so military guys tend to be pretty judgmental, right? And in general, most highly functioning humans can be pretty judgmental, right? You know, and so so you kind of have to, I mean, well, I mean, we're probably overly judgmental in general. Everybody is. But but the military, and I think the you know, special operations community can be pretty judgmental. 
So when I when I originally read that, it was like an epiphany for me where I was like, you know, I've been doing this wrong. I've been judging people instead of teaching them how to do the best thing to do, you know, how to, how to take the next best step or whatever it might be. So that was a big change in my management style, just being less judgmental. Because I'd be like, what do you mean you don't know how to do this? Like, how how ridiculous is that? Like, everyone needs that engaged. It's so basic, right? And at the end of the day, maybe it's not that basic to that person. And if I can teach them how to do it, they might improve it or make it better. And I just need to, like, kind of get off my high horse and, and figure out how to how to help people learn how to, to manage things better and be less judgmental. Outstanding. I tell you, Todd, one of the other things I love about your company, it strikes me that from the very beginning, part of your the undercurrent in your mind for Kilcliff was as a giving platform. When we come back, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the Navy SEAL Foundation. Ladies and gentlemen, your host, Ben Bueller Garcia. We're talking with Kilcliff founder, Todd Ehrlich. We'll be right back. Welcome back to American Warrior Radio, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host, Ben Bueller-Garcia. We're talking with Todd Ehrlich. Todd is the founder of Killcliff. It's a, I don't, I still, I don't want to call it an energy drink company, Todd, but very successful. And then, you know, initially you were thinking of something that would help you when you were in, in BUDS training, Navy SEAL training. Then you started thinking about, well, and what I love again about your story is that apparently you had to go through this whole process where it was chemistry and flavor. And there's this company that's sort of mixing all these things that you wanted in it, and they'd send you a sample, and you said, no, that, that tastes like junk, start over. But eventually you found that original flavor that seemed to work. And at that point, were you getting feedback from, from other team members or folks saying, hey, Todd, you're really on to something here? I mean, did you have any idea it would be this big? So one of the reasons I started it was because at the time, the Gatorades and the energy drinks that existed, I thought, tasted really bad. And so I was like, why did it taste bad? And so when the samples would come in and they didn't taste good, I would just start having them take things out of them that I thought were causing an bad taste. And eventually got to something that was really delicious. And and I'll never forget, I got all these, they were bottles that came in, like glass, clear glass bottles. And I invited a bunch of people over and I said, Please try it. It was kind of four different variations. In every one of those variations, people were like, this is amazing. And I was like, thanks. That's cool. All right. And made them good. You know, then we kind of figure out which one the best version of it was. And we ran with that. So I think the goal was just make sure they taste good. And, you know, that will be part of winning people over. Because there's nothing worse than like trying something for the first time. You're like, you're excited to try it, and you taste it, and you're like, whoa, what was that? No, you know, that, that's less like psychological damage. You'll never go back. Yeah. Well, well I mean, you know, it's kind of like if you, with the name Kill Cliff, people are going to see it on a shelf, and they're going to be like, that's interesting. What's that? And they're going to pick the can up, and they're going to look at the can, and they're going to say, oh, they're going to look at the calories. They're going to say, oh, 15 calories. That's good. It'll take that. And then they're going to read the little, you know, panel, and the panel's going to say, hey, it's created by you know, a former Navy SEAL, and the goal is to give money to the Navy SEAL Foundation. Well, I can get behind that. You know, so in my mind, I'm playing a little chess game. And then eventually they drink it, and they're like, okay, that tastes good. 
I like that. And then, and then if it had any effect, positive effect, they're like, and it was, it positively affected me. I'm going to buy it again. So that was kind of the thought process. I think it worked. Yeah, I should say so. But that was, yeah, that was the, that was the mindset. Now tell us about the Navy SEAL Foundation. You, I, well, you've donated now over, over a million dollars. What is the figure now uh, to the Navy SEAL Foundation? I don't know. I, I like, it's over a million dollars. It's not two million. It's, it's okay. but it's over a million. Um, I'm not sure. The concept there was when I was in the Navy, there wasn't a Navy SEAL Foundation. So that came about uh, in the very early 2000s, and I was like, okay, this is a really you know great organization that is going to solve so many problems that that community has. So I wanted to get behind it. The problem was I didn't have any money, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Very little money. So I was like, how can I take the little money that I have and turn it into something more? And and that's kind of how Kilcliffe was born. You know, it was like, how can I create a sustainable giving platform to help this community, which I got so much out of, but frankly gave very little to as a member of the community. You know, that was my mindset. I was like, maybe I could make a long-term impact on a community that had a really long-term impact on me. And I'll, I'll deeply understand what that community goes through and their families go through and um, in the sacrifices that they make. The brain wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the Navy SEAL community. Folks, you can learn more. Visit NavySealFoundation.org. There, Todd, in my, my day job, I do a lot of work with nonprofits. And, you know, four-star rating from Charity Navigator since, what, 2009? That's pretty darn good. I mean, people can support this organization and feel very confident that it's going to a good cause. As a civilian who interacts quite a bit with the military world, Todd, i got to tell you, I am still very disappointed. I, I love that the Navy SEAL Foundation is stepping in and filling the gaps that that DOD and the, and the VA aren't. I hate the fact that those gaps still exist. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the way that the Department of Defense and the Department of the Navy, everything's got to fall into a bucket, right? And so you look at these special operations types and the level of sacrifice uh, physically and mentally is probably very incongruent with your average person that's maybe the same bucket from a rank perspective or time and service perspective. And those incongruences continue to spread apart as people stay on, you know, in that uh, rank or in that position for a long period of time. And so you, that's why you see, you know, the really high you know, TBI issues and you know, divorce rates and the very challenging thing that folks in, in those special operations communities go through and what they sacrifice to do that job. Then, you know, you kind of have to look at it like, okay, if the government can't fix it, which they really can or they have it, then, you know, maybe an organization like this can step up or a host of those organizations like the Green Beret Foundation or the Semper Fi Foundation or whomever who can help their communities do more. And when you hear the feedback from the families of the community members, um, who are helped by the Navy SEAL Foundation in particular, it's mind-blowing. It's like literally mind-blowing what they're doing for the community, and it's a game-changer. So it's a shortcut in business, too, for what it's worth. If you can come up with a great purpose for your business, a great brand, don't, it can't be fake. It's got to be real. Mm-hmm. It will. It's a force multiplier, and it helps drive your business forward. So in the dark days of Kill Cliff, it was really tough. 
and we had a lot of challenges, um, you know, from making payroll to whatever might have been going wrong that day, which is, you know, kind of business in general. But, um, you know, it was that purpose that kind of kept driving everybody forward. Yeah, and I, I tell you, Todd, one thing, a lot of folks, I don't know what the percentages are, but a lot of folks out there don't understand the difference between being someone who signs the front of the check versus the back of the check. Uh, just, just a couple minutes left, Todd, and I want to touch on this again some more because I, I'm concerned, and I don't know if you're seeing this or how much you actually interact with the Navy SEAL Foundation, but since we, and I use the air quote fingers, you know, brought everybody home um, with the winding down of, of our global war on terror, the war certainly is nowhere near over with, I get this feeling out there in the corporate community, in the individual community, that they think, oh, okay, it's all over, there, there's no longer a need. And i got to tell you, in my my flagship station, we've got an Air Force base here, and it's a, a headquarters for the Air Force Pararescue. And i got to tell you, their their deployment rate has not gone down. They're still shipping people, you know, overseas someplace that we probably can't talk about, maybe a lot like the Navy SEALs. So do you feel... It, of all times, it's more important that people not pull back. They continue to support organizations like the Navy SEAL Foundation. Yeah. My first time I ever gave a talk after I got out of the Navy, I was talking to a group of guys in a YMCA, a bunch of old timers. And uh, and I forget what, there was a reason for the talk, but somebody asked something about the SEALs. And I said, it was a sunny, like, Wednesday in Connecticut. And somebody asked something about the SEALs. And I was like, well, sir... If you can, in your mind's eye, like, just imagine right now on the other side of the planet, there's probably five or six gentlemen in a rubber Zodiac, zoom around on that Zodiac in the middle of the ocean, in the dark, in their cold, in their, you know, 12 times lanes away from their family, and they're putting it all on the line for something you'll never know about, and, you know... It might just be practice. It might be real world. It might be a lot of things, but you'll never know, and none of us will ever appreciate what they're actually doing right now. And and that was like peacetime, right? So I think the point is, like, it it just the the mission never stops, the training for the mission never stops, and like I said, you know, I was lucky enough to walk a mile in the shoes of a special operations team member. Like the amount and the level of what gets done there is just on such another level. People just can't comprehend it. But that's why we need to continue to support these organizations and support um, those communities because it's such a big deal. Once again, folks, you can visit NavySealFoundation.org. And, Todd, the other thing I really want civilians out there to recognize that it's a darn dangerous business even when someone's not shooting at you. Um so thank you for what you're doing to support them. And just one other quick question. Ben gets a dumb question every show. Real quick, Todd, can I still get a LaserCat T-shirt? Gary, that is a good question. Uh, I still wear my LaserCat T-shirt on the time, but, yeah, we, we could probably find one. Outstanding. Uh, we could probably find What size are you? Uh, large. Okay. Especially in the belly. <laughs> Todd Ehrlich, thank you for spending your time with our listeners today, and congratulations on your success. I can't wait to see what comes out next from the mind of Todd Ehrlich. Thank you, Ben. I really appreciate it. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, all policies and procedures are to remain in place. Take care. You've been listening. 
listening to American Warrior Radio. Archived episodes may be found at AmericanWarriorRadio.com or your favorite podcast platform.